All right, turn with me to two scriptures, Matthew 22 and Luke 10. So put your finger in one of them, Matthew 22 and Luke 10. A couple weeks ago, we began the series that we're going to wrap up today called The Greatest Commandment, Loving God, Loving Myself, and Loving Others. And Matthew 22 has been our main scripture. So let's start out by reading that first. Matthew 22. Oh, what do you know? I put the ribbon there to help me. Hey, That would have been easier. Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said this, all the law and the prophets hang on these two things. All the law. So if you can't get anything else right, focus on this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Week one, we talked about how do we love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And then how do we love others as ourselves? We need to love ourselves before we can even begin to love others. So last week, Denny shared a great message on how to love myself. Not like all of you love me, but love yourself. So if you didn't hear those messages, you can go online, listen to them online, podcast, um, or the old-fashioned CD way. Right back there, they're always free. Hear those messages because all the law and the prophets hang on these two things. Loving God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And loving our neighbor as ourselves. So we're going to wrap up this series by talking today about how do I love my neighbor. Oh, Siri's going to start answering me. No, I don't need you, Siri. Go away. Every time I say the word, Siri thinks, yes. Shh, quiet. So that we're going to wrap up with how do we love others? How do you love others? Who is my neighbor? So what we're going to do right now. No, 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 let me, let me wait. No, I'm going to wait. Okay. I don't think we get the seriousness of the loving others part. As much as God tries to communicate something to us, you know, he kind of lays out certain words. You know, when your parents want to get their point across, they don't just say Denny. They say Dennis Carl Lee. Or they're yelling, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. But if they want to get your attention, Jacob, Dennis Mauer. Right? They put certain words 
things in there that kind of get your attention, right? Well, God does that in his word. When he's talking about loving others, he uses words like, I command you. I urge you. I beseech you. You must. You ever have, you know, growing up and your parents are getting ready to leave and they're leaving you at home and they don't say, I suggest you clean your room and do your chores before I get back. You must clean your room. Do your chores before I come. You, boy, you better do your chores before I get, right? Well, what God's trying to communicate here is just like if he was anything like me, he would be calling you with middle name included. You must, Dennis, Carly, Jacob, Dennis, you must love others before I come back. You gotta love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, but you must. See, can you see that? I mean, sorry if you're only listening on podcasts. I mean, you know, hands on hips. You mu- And actually, I noticed when I watched this, this is, I'm casually telling you, when they come all the way up here, you better be listening. And then when a little head action goes with it, that's serious. Yeah, and then when you get the, yeah, that's right. Are you listening? I'm constantly going, hey, hello, look at me. Look at me. Because I want to make sure they understand when I give them instructions. Are you listening? Well, God gives us some clues to how serious he is about loving others. And just, I mean, I could, the rest of our time together, I could show you examples in the Bible how he uses those must. I command, I beseech you. Basically, baby, you better. But in 1 John 4, 9, I'll just read this to you. Write it down. Take notes. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And here it is, verse 11. Dear friends, I'm going to say this nicely. Since God so loved us, you also ought to love one another. Down a little bit farther in verse 19, it says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, who they can see cannot love God who they cannot see. And he has given us this suggestion? No, command. Anyone who loves God must. Love their brother and sister. As a matter of fact, in the message version, those same verses say, if anyone boasts, I love God, and yet goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is very blunt. Loving God includes Loving people. You've got to love both. See, I know people who 
come to church every week, year after year, year after year, and they love God. You generally believe. They say, I love God. But their actions outside the church don't say they love others. And those two things just shouldn't be. They can't go together. You can't say you love God and not love your brother. God says don't pretend to be a Christian and say you love God if you can't even love your neighbor. So let me ask you, loving others, what comes to mind when you think of how? How how do you love others? How would you show love to others? Go ahead. This is the, you can talk back to me. Come on, Brittany. Talk back to me, girl. You'd give them an apple pie. That's a great idea. Now your stomachs are going to start grumbling. What's some other ways? How do you show love? A hug. Hug is good. How else do you show love? Remember, keep it G-rated. What? Encouragement. Yeah. Helping people out. Yeah. Supporting them. Yep. Financially. Oh, hello. What? Pray for them. Spend time with them. Share Jesus. See, when you're talking about showing love, they're all tangible actions, right? Right? I mean, I don't want to talk this one out loud, but what do you say about a person who treat somebody, let's just say, not so nicely, but then says, but I love you, baby. To show love has to include tangible actions that prove that word. As a matter of fact, I did some research on this topic. Can real love be shown or felt without actions? And here's what I came up with. No. No. Real love will be expressed through actions. Love, it turns out, is not a word you say. It's a thing you do. Words can be chosen, changed, and manipulated. But actions, as they say, speak louder than words. Knowing whether or not someone loves you like I mean really loves you will never be something you're certain of just because they have or haven't said it. Words are inherently empty until actions speak for them or against them. Love cannot be expressed just by a population of the heart. Oh, I'm Twitter painted. I love you. It has to be proven. Actions have to prove it. God said, love me with all your heart, mind, and your soul. He's talking about everything that you do, everything you think, everything you feel, everything you say, Everything about you. Otherwise, he would say, think that you love me. Think that you really love me. Just think about it. Just meditate on how much you love me. You don't have to show me you love me. Just me could you imagine getting married and the person saying, baby, I love you, but don't ever ask me to show you I love you. 
No, and he said, love others the same way. Love others. It needs to have tangible actions to prove that love. As a matter of fact, 1 John 3, 8 says, let us not love with words and speech. Stop just talking about it. Do something. He says, but with actions, now it's in truth. Do something about it. You can't just sit around on your hands and say that you love your neighbors. We need to put our words, our love into action. We need to do something. Do something. We learned a few weeks ago that the original meaning of the words belief and actions were synonymous. They weren't supposed to be separated. But in our culture today, we've separated those two meanings. That, oh, I can believe something doesn't mean I have to do something. Oh, I can believe in the whole word of God, but I don't really have to do everything it says to do. I can pick and choose like a buffet. Oh, I'll do this, but I'm not doing that. Oh, I'll love God, but don't ask me to love that person. Oh, I will like those people, but I'll only love those people. So how do we love others? Two ways, real simple. Matthew 22, first thing he talked about is love your neighbor as yourself. Again, there it was. You needed to be here last week or listen to the podcast, get the CD, go online. Then he did a great job on teaching us how to love ourselves. And number two, we find it in John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. How? As I have loved you. So if you're still struggling, and I know a lot of us struggle, well, except for people who beautiful and has no airs like Josie, you know, she's just beautiful. There's nothing wrong with her. Some of us struggle with a little insecurity. And so it's hard when we think about loving others. I can love you, actually, Deborah, more than I could love myself. Really. Because you're so sweet. I don't really, really care for hugs all the time, but I feel rejected if she don't say, it's time for your hug today, Brenda. Okay. Deborah hug. You know, so for me, because I do struggle with some insecurities, sometimes it's easier for me to love other people, at least I think in my mind, more than I can love myself. So Jesus said, hey, okay, you struggle with that one. How about you love others as I have loved you? Oh, well, I know that one. I know how much he loves me. And as a matter of fact, we say we know how much we he loves us, but it's almost uncomprehendable. Did I say that word right? I mean, I get more than two syllables and I tend to stutter. It's almost unimaginable how much God loves. He says it's greater than, greater than, greater than. But we need to love others as he has loved us. Okay, so allow me to just camp on this a minute. The thought of a neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. What was it? I mean, we just opened this up in Matthew 22 with an expert of the law tried to trick Jesus by asking him the question, what's the greatest commandment? Well, over in Luke 10, and I'm sure you had your finger there and you're just flopped right over in that Luke 10. An expert of the law asked Jesus another question. All right, 
Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? You know what he is really asking? All right, so tell me, who, who specifically in this room do I have to love? Right? So if we read in Luke 10, starting at verse 25, on one occasion, here's another occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Hmm. What must I do? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, Jesus said, oh, you, you answered correctly. That's it. Remember, all the law hangs on this. He says, you answered correctly. Good for you. Good answer. Good answer. Survey says, no, sorry, that was good answer. You've answered correctly. Do this and you will have eternal life. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Again, so who is my neighbor? Which one do I have to love? And instead of just answering him directly, Jesus did what Jesus is so famous for doing. He told a story. The Bible calls them parables. He told a story that would illustrate his answer. And later on it's titled the Good Samaritan or the Good Neighbor, depending on what translation you're reading in your Bible. But before I continue to read this story in Luke 10, I want to take Jesus' example and I want to illustrate his story with a story by showing you this video. Go ahead, guys.
The good neighbor. Okay, so that's not exactly how the story went down. So let me just take a couple seconds here and read to you again Luke 10, starting at verse 30. Remember, the question is, so who's my neighbor? In reply to the question, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by him on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by too. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out some money and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Verse 36, now Jesus asked that expert of the law, now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him, of course. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let me look at this just a little bit closer. I'm not going to say I have three points in a prayer, so let's just call the first one up. First point. All were given the same opportunity. All came upon the man. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Well, it almost sounds like a bad joke in the making, doesn't it? Priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan all walk into a bar. Oh, no. All cross by. No, anyway. The priest, he's the pastor. He's the shepherd. He's the spiritual leader. The Levite. Do you know a Levite is a regular church attender? He's the one that keeps track of the house of God. 
He's there every Sunday, every Thursday, and probably three times on Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, anyway, he's at the church all the time, Levite. But a Samaritan, simple, not learned in the ways of God, just a simpleton. Who are they, really? All of them had the same opportunity. The second point, all of them were strangers. These weren't three homies who lived in the same neighborhood. They didn't all live in the nice little subdivision. I mean, let me just tell you, subdivision living, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. We lived in a subdivision, and I actually worked for the builders who built the subdivision, so it seemed like everybody knew my business. It wasn't just knowing each other. I mean, subdivision, the good. I can take, I could ask my kids to go to any neighbor and ask for them. Why do we say we're borrowing a cup of sugar? Do you ever return that cup of sugar? No. <laughs> but I could, you know, say, hey, go grab a cup of sugar from this neighbor or a couple eggs from this neighbor or whatever, or taking cookies to everybody or whatever, or you're starting to grill and it's, Harry's cooking Johnsonville brats, you know. It's the good, right? Right? The bad is that you can hear your neighbors getting in a fight three houses down. And you know way too much about that neighbor than they think you do. As a matter of fact, I, I've, we've recently moved, you know, in the last year, got a beautiful house, but it took us a while. I mean, you're busy and everything, and we wanted to get to know our neighbors, but, you know, life. Anyway, finally came, they came to Mega Sports Camp. We just had a couple weeks ago, so we chit-chatted a little bit with them, but really got to spend time talking to them. And she goes, Brenda, I just have to say, I'm sorry. And I'm like, sorry for what? She goes, I know you can hear me yelling at my kids over there. She goes, not that I'm a bad mom. Sometimes I just need to get their attention. You got, you know, right there it is. Three words. I said, oh, honey, I was going to ask for your <laughs> forgiveness because I'm sure, you know, trees care. It's not that we're not yelling at our kids, Sheriff. It's the dog. I'm yelling at, what are you doing over there? You know, so the good, bad, and the ugly. Good cup of sugar, couple of eggs, you know. The bad, you know way too much about way too many people that live that close to you. That's why we started locking our door. No. The ugly comes when we were getting ready to move out of the subdivision, and I didn't let all my neighbors know I was giving away my dining room table at night after a Wednesday night service. So what they saw was a truck pull up, two guys jump out, and carry out our dining room table, put it in the back of the truck, and take off. So after church, we thought we was doing a good thing. We had donated it to the youth pastor before we left. So Brian and me and the kids are pulling up in the subdivision, and all of our neighbors are standing in the middle of the main road and stopping us. And I'm like, what? What? And they're like, you've been robbed. I'm like, what? I've been robbed? Yeah, I don't know how much they got. The police are up there right now, and they're going through your house. And But we saw a truck. I said, excuse me? A truck? You mean like half hour ago truck? Yes. I'm like, that was my husband with the youth pastor getting our own table out. So we showed up. And, you know, of course, my husband, the youth pastor, didn't hurt our house. But, you know, 
the cats are walking all over on our white Berber floor with, you know, the, it was muddy and, and raining, and they're like, ma'am, can you tell me if anything else is missing? I said, yeah, the white on my carpet. It's gone. No, I loved it. No, it was great that they respond right away. And it was, But uh, ugly in subdivision living, yeah, it's there. Anyway, but these three Samaritans, the Levite, the priest, they weren't neighbors. They weren't subdivision friends. They were strangers. So they all had the same opportunity. They were all strangers to the man. Again, remember, we're answering the question, who is my neighbor, right? The expert asked Jesus. And the third point, Jesus didn't say that man right there that fell into the hands of the robber is your neighbor. He turned the finger back on the three and said, which of these three was the neighbor to that man? You see, it's not about the man that's fallen. It's not about the one that's broken down and out and needs our help. Will he be my neighbor or not? The question is, will you be the good neighbor? You are the neighbor. To who? He put no cap on it. Everyone, if you would take the command to be the neighbor, you are the neighbor to everyone doesn't matter if you know them or not. We all have the same opportunity. We all come in contact with people we don't know, with people who are needy, who are down and out, who are broken, who are bruised, whatever. But will we be the good neighbor? Are you the neighbor? Am I the neighbor? It's all about who I will or will not love. It's all about the will. Will I love all, period. He said, love others. Who's others? Who do I have to? All. Everyone. Everyone. The priest, the Levite, was looking for a good neighbor to love. Just give me the good neighbor. The good neighbor, people. I'll only love the neighbor. Well, if we really understand the scripture, we are the neighbor. We're commanded to be the neighbor to love. You see, the priest and the Levite were looking for whose responsibility is this really? I mean, there's nothing more frustrating to an employer when they hear the comment back why something didn't get done. Well, it wasn't my responsibility. I don't care if I put it on your list of job responsibilities or not. If something needs to get done, we're all working together. Just do it. You know, I, I pulled up beside people at a stoplight before, and the guy, you know, you've seen him before, the I need money, and they always put God bless. And, you know, I have to admit, I tend to be a little bit more cynical because I have to be careful. There's police officers. I was not a good person before I met Jesus. And so the easiest people to scam was Christians. And so when I see a sign or I hear somebody say, you know, coming to the and wanting money, I'm a little bit more skeptical. 
And that's something God had to work out of me because that's not right either. He said, love all. When I become skeptical and standoffish and, uh, do I really trust you? Do I really believe you? I, what I'm doing is I'm looking for a good neighbor. Just give me somebody good to love. He didn't say love the good. He said love all. What they go and do with the love that you show them is between them and God. So when you pull up to the stoplight or I pull up to the stoplight and I see the guy standing or the girl standing there, hey, do you have some money? And, you know, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I got to give them something. And when I give them something, I when they come over to the vehicle and I hand them something, I mean, I've given them, I just went through McDonald's, here's my lunch, here's my lunch. And then you look over there on the ground and they've got three or four more bags of lunch, you know, sitting there. I'm like, whatever, God, you just owe me love. Here it is. I hand it to him, and I don't say, aren't I a good neighbor? I say, God loves you, man. Do you understand? God loves you. I came here, I don't know how long it was, two, three years ago, and I shared that message with you, that we are called to love. And so making up these little packages already in your car is the best thing to do. Well, it was where I came from because there was always people standing on the streets. I hardly see them standing around here. But where I came from, it was like every corner you see somebody standing on the street. So when we had five, six of those love bags, you know, shampoo and soap and, you know, stuff in there and material in there if they wanted to learn more about God or whatever, you know, we had them ready to give out. So it wasn't just about me being good and look at what I can give you, but it was sharing the love of God. But anyway, we're, talked to, we're being commanded to be the good neighbor. So here it is. Loving others will take courage. You have to put down all the walls that you've built to guard yourself. And I'm never going to get hurt again. I don't like the doors slammed in my face. I don't like it when people, you know, mock my generosity. you got to put all those down. Step out. Take courage. Be the good neighbor and love others. You will have to face your insecurities to do this. Get down in the middle of the road. Bandage up the broken. See that they're cared for. Check in on them. It's going to take courage, and it's all about sacrifice. Sacrifice your wills, your wants, your needs, your comfort for others. Isn't that what Jesus did when he went to the cross for you, for me? When he came out of heaven, out of his comfort zone, and came to earth to be tortured, beaten, and died? Love others as I have loved you. It takes courage. Today we're honoring our heroes because they do this very thing every day. They sacrifice their comfort for us, for our safety. They stand strong in the face of danger. I came across this picture and it gave the definition of courage says, a hero, an ordinary person facing extraordinary circumstances and acting with courage, honor, and self-sacrifice. That can be you. That's supposed to be you. That's supposed to be me. Every day, loving, self-sacrificing for God's honor, though, in the face of any circumstance, let me just encourage you, loving others will bring freedom. Our great nation is founded on this principle. 
loving others, sacrificing for others, serving others, brought our freedom that we have today. Love brings freedom. As a matter of fact, it's stated that way in Galatians 5, 13 through 15. It says it is absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want and so destroy yourselves and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And that's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up, here it is again in this one sentence, love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will annihilate each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? Look at the world today. We're living in sad times when we're using our freedom to annihilate each other. I mean, every morning I sit and turn on the news and it's another disaster after another disaster. And it's simply right back to this, that people are using their freedom to annihilate each other. Why? Because they're not using their freedom the way God says, I gave you freedom so that you can serve and love others. But if you don't do that, it will turn and it will destroy you. And then where will your precious freedom be? People are doing exactly what the scripture warns us about, using our freedom for things other than loving and serving others. And we are seeing the fruit of this selfish lifestyle. Even again this morning when I turned on the news, what happened in Milwaukee? You know, they're crying out, you know, basically their freedom, their rights. But their rights are destroying businesses, you know, killing our officers. You know, taking other people's life, it's just, it's annihilating and destroying each other. And he said, I gave you that freedom to love each other, serve each other. So let me close by reading this final message, or this final scripture to you. In John chapter 15. Amy, can you come back up? John chapter 15, verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, Jesus is saying this, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And he even tells us how we can remain in his love. He said, if you do what I command, you will remain in my love. If you do what I command. And what has he commanded us to do? What does he say? All the law, all the prophets hang on these two things. Love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And you are my friends, Jesus said, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father. I have made it known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you will go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you, listen, verse 17, 
This is my command. Love each other. Love others. All the law, all the law and the prophets hang on this, the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor. Love others. You be the good neighbor and love everyone. So with your eyes closed, bow your head, and just, I want you to just be able to focus, not on anybody else around you, but just to be quiet before God. As I ask you this, are you truly loving God? That means in your actions, not just in your words, not just in your thought, not just in your heart, but with your actions, are you truly loving God with all your heart? all your mind, and all your soul. And if you're not, but you want to declare today's the day, I want to, from now on, live to serve God, love Him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. Only me can see you. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Today's going to be my day that I declare I will love you, God, from this day forward with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yes. Let me ask the rest of you. Are you being the good neighbor? Are you truly, with your actions, not just with your words, with your actions, are you truly loving others as the good neighbor if you're not but you want to say Brenda today I want to declare today I choose to be the good neighbor raise your hand just so I can see you and pray with you I see your hands see your hands no man I've been struggling so much that's the one I always struggle with I can love God but I have a hard time loving others today's the day that's right I see your hands I'm going to pray right now, number one, for the first set of people. All you are is simply declaring today's the day of a new relationship with God as the leader and the Lord of my life. And it's not the words. Remember, it's not just the words you say, but it's a start. Because when you speak the words, your ears hear, and you will move into action. That I won't just say I love God. I will not just say I commit my life to God, but my ears are going to hear and I will start doing. Remember, believing and doing are supposed to be synonymous. If you believe it, you do it. And so all you have to do is what, however, between you and God, just say something like, Dear Heavenly Father, I commit my life to you right now. Forgive me for living life on my own away from you. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your love. I accept my eternal home in heaven with you. Today, oh God, I dedicate my life to serve you, to love you in all I say and all I do with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind from this day forward as a leader and the Lord of my life. Today is your new day.
And for those who raised their hand and said, I, I've struggled with being the good neighbor. I, I admit I have a hard time loving others as I'm supposed to, as God's loved me. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, fill them with courage, with boldness, and with holy love. God, that it doesn't have to be our love that we muster up ourselves, but it's your holy love flowing from heaven and through us to others. That, God, that we would see people as you see them. We'd be moved with the same compassion that Jesus had when he walked on the earth. To love, to reach out, to touch, to bandage. Not with a skepticism, not with doubts, not with a cynicism, not, not with any kind of strings attached, but a pure love that can only come from you, God. That when we love on others and we walk away, they don't remember us. But they remember you. God, you you are their answer. Help us communicate. Help us be Jesus with skin on right now to everyone. Help us be the good neighbor and love others as you have loved us. I pray for boldness, for courage, for an impartation of love like never before, God. Thank you. Thank you for your word. And can I get everyone to just stand up let me close the service by opening up the altars around here. We believe that God is a God of miracles. He's a big God. He loves us. He doesn't like sickness. He doesn't like uh, things that would hurt us, wound us. We're his children. He has the answer for us. So we want to spend time at the altars. So if the altar team would come up here. If you came in and you want prayer for anything, you were one of the people who raised your hand, started a new relationship or a restored relationship. These people are up here and they want to pray with you. If you have a prayer need for something else, earlier today when we were in uh, worship, had this extreme pain come over my one side, uh, my hip, and I just felt like it was somebody here today has uh, pain right here in their, it would be your left hip. God wants to heal you today. All you need to do is come up front here. If that's you, tell them, this is me. It, it was my hip. Something wrong right here. Or maybe it's not a hip. Maybe, I'm sorry, maybe I'm saying it's a hip, but it was in this area. I don't know the anatomy inside of us, so it could be something inside. But come up and get prayer. Otherwise, let me just give you some instructions. Uh, they're outside here in the tent. They've been starting the barbecue. They're cooking Louis hamburgers and hot dogs. Uh, there's drinks out there. The food's out there. We are going to wait till we're all out there. I'll pray for the food, and then we'll let our honored guests go first through the line. All right? We do have servers who are going to help us with the food. We do have cake. There's cold drinks out there. If you'd like coffee, please grab it out here before you head out there. Bathrooms opened inside, children's games, family games, volleyball. I want us to stay around, love on each other, and have fun. But if you want prayer, Amy's going to continue playing. If you want to just soak and worship, please do that. All right?
Father, we just pray blessing over everyone that attended today and that's going to continue to come throughout the day. Blessings, blessings, and more blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.